I want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing an Integrity Square consulting client for a weekend, the owner of Razor Sharp Fit, Jacob Thomas. Good to have you on the show, buddy. Thanks for having me, Pete. Awesome. So as background here, Jacob and I met through Rex Roundtable, Eddie Talk on a Friday. I believe he closed the deal on a Monday or Tuesday. We spent Saturday and Sunday making sure he was ironclad, Documents were good, financials were set, and it was a check-the-box good deal that he could tell his significant other that we are going into business and we're not looking back. So want to talk about that today. Looking forward to it. It was quite a roller coaster that we had that weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think every deal's a roller coaster. So give us your uh, background, how long you worked at Razor Sharp, how this kind of evolved over time, and then some of the trust and relationships you built up that basically allowed you to find a pathway to do this? Yeah. So first I started in, uh, in the fitness industry right after college. Um, background was athletic training and, uh, and I had a real passion for, for kids uh, and, and training athletes. And so found a place called Forward Fitness. I had a Parisi Speed School. Um, that's really kind of where, you know, I, I really started everything there um, and then had the opportunity to, to work over at MVP Sports Clubs in Michigan. Uh, did that for five years, running sports performance um, companies inside of clubs uh, over there and, and had a blast doing it. Was ready to move back home uh, and, and found Razor Sharp Fitness um, from there uh, and started as the um, fitness director uh, back in 2013. Um, so I uh, started in that role, did that for one year, and then uh, got bumped up to the general manager role and was in that role for eight and a half years. Um, and then, you know, as we were going through um, the journey of, of being here, you know, I was, I was really interested in what the next step for me was. Um, and, and hopefully it was either in the business. Um, but if it wasn't in the business, I want to know that and, and, you know, what potentially to look for um, outside of that. So probably about five years ago, um, we kind of our year end meeting with, um, with Mike and Terry, the owners of the club. I sat down and I asked that question, you know, what, what does it look like for you guys? Where are you thinking, um, you know, they were about to be empty nesters and, you know, starting to, so I would think about, you know, potentially, you know, look at retiring. They're not wanting to run the gym fully and, and those kind of things. So, um, so I just wanted to start that discussion and we had a really candid conversation about, Hey, you know, right now isn't necessarily the time we're looking at that. Um, but ultimately they said in the next two years was, was really going to start, taking shape, um, of, of what their plans might be and where they were going to go. So, um, so I was really excited, um, to at least that they, you know, already were willing to talk to me about that. Um, and so sure enough, two years later, sat down, had another conversation and, and they started bringing up, Hey, you know, what we're thinking is, 
um, they own the building and the business. Um, and so they were like, you know, the first thing that we're probably looking at doing is potentially selling the building. Um, and so we just wanted to give you a heads up um, on, on that. But then after that point, we'll probably be looking at the, at the business side of it as well. Um, some interesting discussions that we had is, um, is the fact that, you know, could we sell the building um, to, a, to a bigger player that maybe wanted the business as well, uh, a bigger health club that, that would be interested in that kind of investment? Um, uh, and we did some discussions and um, some outreach in regards to that. Um, and nothing really came to fruition um, from that side. So, uh, so it really went just strictly selling the business, or sorry, selling the building first. Um, and with that, uh, they got a really uh, significant bite. Somebody was very interested in October of 21. And uh, and so they were like, hey, here we go. We're starting to go down this path and you'll see some people coming through and so on and so forth. And by the time February came, they're like, you know, we're we're probably going to have an LOI coming in here shortly um, for the building. And, and now we really want to look at um, what it takes to, to sell the business next. And um, at that point, for me, you know, I didn't necessarily have a, a huge ambition to be an owner. Um, full transparency, I enjoy working for somebody else and I have for a long time. And, um, and uh, you know, Mike and Terry really took great care of me during that. But um, what I saw was at least to know what it, what it looked like and what it meant. And so- um, So the so deal with the real estate got done? The real estate still is not done. Nope. nope. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I was like, well, I'd love to know just what it takes to- to potentially buy the business. And, um, and so they're like, Oh, well, you know, we, we would love to, you know, be able to have, have you do that. We just weren't sure if that was an option and, and so on and so forth. So, um, so sure enough, sat down. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let me stop you for a second. So the owners of the club also own the real estate, but obviously they could layer in a much higher rent and basically capture a lot of the, you know, EBITDA of the club. Uh, that would put you as the ultimate owner in a very risky position because you would not have as much cushion or profitability to actually meet the rent payments and also manage the business. So as that was going down the path of, hey, what are we going to do and change our lease agreements to maximize the ultimate value of the real estate? How much were you involved with that? Were you kind of privy to, you know, we could kind of move a couple of nuts to this side instead of this side. And, you know, how did that go? It was interesting. So I, I feel like I was kind of a little bit a part of the discussions in the past. So I had an idea of what some of the other leases looked like because there's other, um, other uh, there's three other spaces in, inside the, the building that we rent out as well. So I had some like system insider information, but ultimately, you know, they kind of created what the, uh, what the new lease was going to look like um, and ultimately, you know, for me, it was, I needed to make sure one that I hired somebody to be able to take a look at it for me and understand what that looked like. Um, because I didn't, I didn't understand it. It was my first time really diving into that kind of stuff. Um, on the other side of that coin, especially with how long I worked with them, I also had faith and, and trust that, um, that they were going to try to re work really hard to make sure that it was a success successful thing for me. But I did, I had to go right and, and find a lawyer that could, that could, you know, dissected and really figure out what it meant and how it looked. Um, but they created it and we really didn't make, um, from, from the lawyer, from getting a lawyer and, and dissected it more, we really didn't make many changes to it at all. Um, because again, they really did a, a great job of trying to set it up to be successful for me. That's great. So fast forward, real estate's still out there. 
big fish goes away. You know, I tell people that the first buyer that shows up is probably not the one that's going to close. Um, you go in through a, uh, you know, a beauty contest, shopping, somebody says they got the capital, they're all rah-rah, and then they somehow mysteriously disappear. Uh, either at the closing table, they couldn't get the financing, something happens with someone, one of their family members. Um, I got a list of at least the top 100 excuses on why people don't close deals that they say they've got committed capital for. Uh, maybe that's a book or maybe that's just a, um, a depressing, you know, one pager that I put together on two-sided uh, uh, white paper. Um, so now you're working there. You're also now a buyer of the business. So you're kind of on the other side of the table, yet obviously it's very amicable. Um, they are trusting their baby, you know, and basically giving it to you. They also want to get a fair price, but they also don't want to take advantage of you. So there's a lot of personal dynamics that are going on in a business negotiation, especially with someone that's internal. And also if you don't get the deal done, you know, you're still an employee and you got to kind of dust that off and say, Hey, you know, are we losing our franchise player by trying to go down his path? And if it doesn't work, how's he's going to, how's he going to feel about it? So talk a little bit about the process. You got a lawyer, you know, what kind of diligence you did before you and I did, you know, a 48 hour crash course. You know, you obviously knew where any bodies were buried if there were any. Um, so there wasn't anything in diligence that would be something you didn't pick up on or didn't see or have a hand in. So just walk us through for an entrepreneur or somebody who's a, a GM saying, hey, I'm going to go down this path. I got to be careful, uh, but here's kind of what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. Well, I think the first step for me was um, really making sure I understood the, the books and, and the open book policy um, as soon as I could. Um, and, and obviously it takes time for, um, for owners to be able to trust uh, and make sure that people are, are not going to take advantage of that knowledge and information. Um, but after about five or five or six years, um, they really opened the books um, to me. And we, we had, you know, year end discussions of what that looked like, but that really was the stepping stone in regards to understanding what it looked like. And so from Again, building that relationship, building the trust that you can have that discussion with them um, was was probably the number one starting point for me to make the negotiation uh, go go much smoother. How, how long did that process take? Just so people know that this doesn't happen in thirty days. That's a great great question. So, I mean, from a trust standpoint, I mean, it starts immediately. It's you know, I think one thing that my owners would say about me was, you know, I, I treated this place like it was mine um, and, and put my, my heart and soul into it at all times. Um, and I was really honest with them, even in the job interview, that, you know, buying a business and starting a business is, is extremely risky. Um, and, you know, they are hiring me to make them more money and, and have the business be successful. Um, and that meant a lot to me to be able to do that. So, it, it starts with that attitude and, and um, that thought process all the time. And even though you're working for somebody else, it's it's your opportunity to show that that you're worth um, worth that. And then you never know the opportunities that can come, um, I think, from that side. So, But then on top of that, then I just, I was asking the questions. I just kept saying, hey, the decisions that we're making, I'm not sure that we're making that these decisions are are making positive changes on the business because I'm not seeing what that bottom line is. I'm not understanding it. And so I want to be, make sure that the decisions I make are truly driving the business in the right direction. Um, and I think that's ultimately the ultimate discussion that we had that got it over to the other side of opening those, those uh, books to me. And, and from the time that you started having the conversation till closing, how many 
months was that? Four months. Four months. Okay, that, that's a pretty short period of time, you know, versus most deals. Um, so once ownership changed on that Monday, talk about, without disclosing names, some of the financing that you were able to put together, which was basically the equivalent, I'd say, of, you know, getting a loan from your, from your father or your uncle and how that uh, transpired. Yeah, so... You know, the first one um, that it came from was, you know, it just started having some, just letting people know, hey, this is this is what we're thinking about, some trusted people that I had. Um, and sure enough, there was somebody that um, my wife and I have trained for, you know, really since I started here. Um, and uh, and ultimately, you know, I brought it up to them and, and they said, you know, we, we really believe in you. We want you to be successful and you're a really important part of this community. Um, and with that, you know, this is something that we'd be interested in, in supporting you on. And, um, and so, you know, they, they, we sat down, kind of talked about what the numbers look like. Um, they had their own, uh, CPA, um, get in it and, and really take a look at it. I, um, went out and found, um, a CPA that really, you know, focused specifically on, um, these acquisitions, uh, business acquisitions. And so, um, we kind of put those numbers together and, and, you know, the, those two sides together and had a great discussion on that. Um, and ultimately, you know, you know, we decided that X percentage, um, that they would go all the way to X percentage of, of the deal. Um, and I had to find the rest of it. It was one. And I told them that's what I wanted. I wanted some skin in the game myself, um, as best I could, even though, again, this was kind of a out of nowhere, uh, I can't say I could afford it myself by any means, um, uh, kind of situation. So, um, so we agreed on that. And so it was my opportunity to kind of find the rest of the way. And, and I brought that to my owners, um, and told them, I said, Hey, I have a, I have a great opportunity. One that, kind of, again, came out of nowhere too, um, trying to find the rest of the way to get there. Um, and so they went, they sat, talked together and came back the next day and said, you know, we want to help you the rest of the way. Um, gotcha. and so from both of our side, from both sides of it, um, from an investor, uh, and the investor really wanted, you know, nothing in the business solely was to support me. They don't want anything back except for a personal loan. Um, and then, and then my owners did a owner finance loan, uh, to kind of complete the, the rest of that deal. So, um, a true blessing uh, in regards to finding people that, uh, you know, want support and, and continue to to live on, uh, you know, what the business has already been in the community. Yeah. So for those out there um, who are trying to buy a company and maybe don't have all the financing lined up, uh, getting a seller note uh, from the seller, basically they're taking back a piece of debt that would be subordinated or below, uh, whether a bank loan or an SBA loan. And they usually at an interest rate that's actually lower than market because they're trying to get themselves out of the business, not burden the new buyer with uh, financial stress. Uh, and especially in this kind of instance where you're in the community, you know, it's their baby that they started. They want to make sure it's successful and that their succession plan works. So those are typically pieces of the puzzle when you're, uh, when you're doing a deal. Talk for a minute about Rex Roundtable and how that network has been beneficial to you prior to the to the deal, and then also now, you know, being able to meet with other CEOs and share best practices and metrics. Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest things is uh, we talked about the open book uh, policy with uh, with my owners and I. You know, I was I had some frustrations that were going on uh, with that because I just I felt like I was making decisions and I didn't know where it was going. And, um, it, Eddie got on a phone call, um, with my owners and just had a conversation with them and, and kind of helped, 
um, you know, see, see that big picture with them and, and even gave them some strategies on, Hey, this site can start that process, start trusting them with it. And then kind of see where it goes. And, um, and that, and honestly, that was a huge change in regards to the business overall, um, me personally, and then my owners too, um, and their ability to be able to trust somebody and, and give that opportunity to them. So, you know, the restaurant table has been a place that one for, you know, the networking and all that kind of stuff, but people that can come to bat for you, um, see the big picture, uh, and, and be willing to have a voice for you. And, and Eddie was somebody that jumped in uh, immediately for that. Uh, and it, yeah, that really was, was a game changer for me. And then, you know, since that time I, I was in the Rect GM group, um, when it started, um, back in, I think it was 2017, I was with that group for five years and it was phenomenal. And that's what I was working in every day. Um, but since that time now, now switching over to the, to the ownership role, I've moved over to an owner's group, um, in, uh, the Rex OMS group. Congratulations. And thank you. They're, uh, they're, they're a great, a great phenomenal group to be part of. It's so different. Things we're talking about are different looking at, and, um, you know, I'm in a great group that's looking at, they're looking to grow and do some amazing things all the time. Um, but there's a sounding board nonstop for ideas. Um, but even more so for this, you know, what am I looking at? What are my finances? How do I, you know, how do I understand how to break off each, because we have two clubs, each of our two different clubs to make sure they're completely separate financially and, um, and all of that. So it's, it's a, it's a remarkable organization to be a part of and, and truly the people in it, uh, make it even better. That's great. So the last question I want to ask you is about, you know, you, you, you're, you're owning this club. Um, you got people in Rex Roundtable that have private equity capital. You know, they might say to you, hey, uh, Jacob, I'm doing, you know, 15 stores this year. Next year, I'm doing 25. You know, you've been a pillar of that club for a long time. You've been, you know, in the community. How do you define your own success and also balance, you know, hey, I don't want to be on the road. You know, that sounds awesome that you're building 12 clubs. You've also been on six flights. You missed all your kids' games. Um, you got issues at home. You look like you're not as healthy as, as you should be. So speak to the people that are listening to say, this is what I'm doing. This is my life, life's work. I don't need to go do a private equity deal. I don't need to go and build 50 clubs in states and cities I, I've never been to, and I don't care to be there. And, you know, how you think about yourself as an entrepreneur and how you define that. Huh, that's a, that's a great question. I think it really starts even from, um, from going back to the GM time where again, I, I enjoyed working for somebody else. I didn't necessarily need to be, you know, the owner in, in those kind of things. I worked hard and they gave me phenomenal flexibility and, you know, ability to be at the kids games and travel to restaurant tables and go to Ursa's and, and do all these really cool things. Um, but then also be really, really balanced, uh, with that. And so, you know, I think for me, what now being being a club owner has done is it allows me to continue to do that, those things, which I love doing, but now I can start empowering uh, my team to be able to do that. And the closer I am to my team and the more people that I can affect that way, um, I think that's my calling. Um, and I think that's my passion is um, to, to continue to grow people. And, um, and the more, again, I think the, the closer I am to them, um, in, in, in these two clubs, uh, and being able to be here, you know, every day and, and put, put my stamp and my culture on that, uh, along with my wife, you know, I think that that's what I live for and what, what we love to do on an everyday basis. So, 
Um, you know, having having a mom and pop two club uh, operation is is a really great place for us to be and what we what we love being a part of. That's great. Final question: Has the relationship with other employees changed? As it, you know, do you kind of hold people to a different standard? Do you have to kind of come down on on them? How, how is that? Being an owner, obviously you're in a you're in a higher level Rex Roundtable hierarchy. But how do you feel when you walk in? It's a great question. I don't. For me, I try to have it be like something that hasn't changed. I think it probably has. But because I was I was so ingrained in it for so long, um, I hired every single employee that's here, except for maybe a couple that that had a little bit longer tenure than I did. Um, and so I've been there, been their leader, and and been the driving force. I think for a lot of that time, and and so I think with that, you know, I try to keep that same. My goal is to keep it the same way that we continue to develop our culture. Um, in our direction. I don't know that we're even done with that yet. And we're still, you know, almost a year into this. Um, and that we're still talking about, you know, how our culture is different and, and has changed and how we can continue, continue to make it better. But I will say maybe not necessarily from the employee side as much probably hasn't changed, but from, a, you know, every once in a while, the, the member side of it's different. You make big changes in the club. You, um, you know, we did a redesign or we've, you know, changed hours or, you know, done anything like that. Yeah. You don't um, have any plausible deniability anymore. Right. 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 It, can't, it can't be like, oh, you know, the owners told me that I had to do yeah, it. Exactly. And, um, and so, uh, you know, those are, those are now really personal conversations. Um, and some things I've really had to work hard on is not to take things so personally um, because it, it's, it's not, it's truly not just because you made that decision. Really your team made it, the business made it, it was the best for um, what that is. And, not necessarily always going to please every single person when you make those decisions. Um, but that's been a tougher one for me um, at times um, with this uh, endeavor. You put, like, whether it's money, whether it's, you know, planning and that into things and, uh, and kind of sometimes the responses that you get, uh, especially ones from unfamiliar territories. Awesome. All right, man. Well, congratulations. We look forward to big things out of the two clubs. Introducing formally on Halo Talks, Jacob Thomas, owner-operator, and rock star. So good to see you, bro. Glad this worked out. Stamp of approval, and uh, keep waving the Rex and the Halo flag. Thank you, Pete. It was a blast. Awesome talking to you, buddy. 